every day of their lives if they get up in the morning like i mean some farmers are like oh yeah i needed to work for 10 hours today but it started raining and i only got four in every day there's something that they have to go okay i have to let that go for now and pick it up again another time i mean it's it's enormous the one subject of farming has all these incredible messages that speak to the energy and the force and the determination of the human spirit and the understanding that things are not within our control. Those are great lessons that people need to learn. Welcome to Towards a Kinder Public, a podcast dedicated to designing kinder public space that better meets our interconnected needs. I'm Kevin Castle, and along with Annie Chen, we are Kinder Public. It is our pleasure to continue our conversation with Reverend Peaches Delight about her new book, Walking the Land, a loving tribute to family farms, a collaborative work with watercolorist Tommy Beers. Reverend Gillette is a poet, an ordained chaplain, spiritual counselor, and race relations advisor, who recently participated as a panelist in the Dalai Lama Library and Learning Center's Interfaith and Secular Ethics Conference in Ithaca, New York. Reverend Gillette has been an educator for more than 45 years in private and public school settings, as well as programs providing educational pathways for incarcerated individuals. She has worked with veterans, disabled individuals, and survivors of domestic violence. Presently, she sits on the Dryden School Board and the Tompkins County Human Rights Commission. This new book, Walking the Land, is dedicated to American family farms and features poetic reflections as well as interviews with the farmers about their work, their hopes, and the future of their farms. The writings are partnered with Tommy Beers' beautiful watercolor paintings of each of the family farms, capturing not just the moments of abundance and harvest, but also the challenges, the dormant periods, and the moments of waiting, the beloved and necessary machinery, and the realities of this work. Kinder Public sees agricultural land and farm policy as an essential component of the health of public space, and skilled farming as one of the most important tools in climate change mitigation. This is part two, and the conclusion of our conversation, and includes Reverend Gillette reading and discussing two poems from the book. We hope you find this conversation to be a space of peace, gratitude, and a reflection on the power of determination. We'll jump back into our conversation on access to food and the importance of our farms. Thank you for listening. You brought two points to mind. First is the the dialogue that we have around food, the culture that we have around food. You know, is it fast enough? Is it I think back to conversation that I had with you maybe a year or two ago where I was expressing frustration around mealtime and (laughs) uh, family (laughs) family dynamics uh, around certain foods and unwillingness to eat them and various things like that. And I think that we can be so caught up in 
the difficulty of our lives mm. that we forget the challenges of other lives. Yes. And yes. you reminded me at that time that the conversation that I might have with my children is about how hard people worked to grow this food and to harvest the food and to move it to where we could access it. And that really was a very impactful thing to say. And it did really stop me in my frustration. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's tricky. And, you know, you know, children are children. But also, you know, it's like when you tell a story to children, right? And the more dramatic and alive you could be with the story, the more they're like glued onto you and what you're saying. Well, why not do that around food? Why do that around the people who grow the food? Make it into like like any kind of story that they love with adventure and challenges and, you know, things they have to confront, like, you know, the dragon of weather and things like that. Why not do that and just bring it right home to them and make it just like this. You have to hear this story right, about your food. Mm -hmm. And now you are actually directly connected to that story. You know, it's, <laughs> it's just a nice way to do things with some kids, you know. Mm -hmm. And I often feel like, you know, even with, you know, we have like a lot of farmers markets and a lot of CSAs and things like that. And the people who go to the markets, it's almost as if they appreciate the food being beautiful and fresh, but they forget how that food came about. That food, that one tomato may have been such a labor mm -hmm. for somebody. That sunflower seed, the sunflower seeds that they eat, like I know someone who has a sunflower farm. That work that goes into a sunflower, you think, oh, it's a flower, or, you know, how hard could it be, blah, blah, blah. That work that goes into having a sunflower farm is incredible. Mm -hmm. And then shaking off the sunflowers and bagging them or whatever. It's not, this is not, you know, it almost feels to me like people look at it as like, children look at like Christmas, like, oh, these presents just like show up. <laughs> like we have no idea. How they got here, but they're here, you know, like that kind of thing. Yeah. You know, and we often, and we have a consciousness about us because we're always talking about how, how children are disconnected from food. And we don't think about the strands <laughs> of the ways that we are disconnected from food. Right. You know, you right. Know, it's so funny. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like, I'm standing in front of these things and I'm going to pick the most perfect one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> While exactly. ignoring the person standing in yeah. front of me who has yeah. really worked and struggled and been up yeah. since very early in the morning to get to yeah. this market, yes. which is yes. in itself a very physically hard task. That is exactly right. Yeah. I mean, I sit down with some of these farmers and I'm like, I couldn't have done that job in my best days. Like, right. it was really. Oh my lord! Right. <laughs> At twenty-two, exactly. that would have been hard. <laughs> exactly, I would have been like, "Nope, that's not. I'm not doing that." Yeah. So now, so okay, this is a a growth of consciousness. Like I've always loved farms and farmland, mm -hmm. but I too had a disconnection in some ways mm. that now I have none. When I see food, when I see trucks, when I see even animals, and I'm a vegan even animals. And I'm thinking like, you know, those, those are the products of somebody's unbelievable work and determination. It, it goes even deeper than that about people who have been broken at times, you know, people are, whose heart and soul has gone into this stuff. I mean, this is deeply spiritual to me on some level mm -hmm. who got those food items to the market 
so that we can eat them and they can make a little money for their family. It, you know, it's it's deep to me. It really is. Yeah. yeah. I really appreciated how you said it was life itself. And I think that that is the experience in some way, not to minimize the work and the hardship, but that must be in some way the experience of that work. Yeah. And I appreciate also in your book how you, I think it's the farm of Akiva Silver. Yes, yes. And how the land was not wanted by large agriculture because it was very wet. Yes, yes. And so this individual found a way to work with the land. Yes. And create a farm that was absolutely overflowing with life. Yeah, yeah, yes. Is yeah. as you described it, that's what it sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. I I feel like the next project should be like out there videotaping everything from his morning to sundown like of, mm-hmm. I mean every piece of land he has out there is growing something <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. and, and you saw the book like even that mound of land um there's a poem in there about a, the mound of land and it looks, at first sight it looks like what was that like it just looks like a pile of dirt and then you realize that all this stuff is under there growing and changing and soon to shoot up above the surface and be more food you know, and, mm-hmm. and, and part of the whole ecosystem and all of that stuff that goes on out there. So there are many, there are layers of messages like you don't look at something on the surface, always go deeper than that, you know? And that was one of one of the best, because Tommy and I, when he first painted that, and he goes, he goes, I bet you can't do anything with this as a poem. And at first I'm like, mm, he might be right. And then I realized like, wait a minute, this is us, right? This is us. People look at us and they see the surface of who we are and they don't see what beauty is growing inside and trying to emerge itself and to sustain itself and to be nourished by life. And they don't see that. Well, that's what I was looking at at that point of that mound. And I thought, okay, this is this is fantastic because for me, I tripped over into another spiritual way mm-hmm. of looking at the world in general. And that's always part of my goal. And so this project in and of itself just had so many facets of amazement to me um, that, yeah, it was just a blessing. Mm-hmm. It really was. I was really struck also in the number of very personal details I felt that you you brought to the writing about your summaries about the farms and the farmers and their lives and their hopes. And I noted that I think in every single one, you asked them if their children would be taking on the work in the farm. And I I thought that was a really touching question. And I thought that the range of answers were so also touching. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to say anything about that? Yeah, I just, I, on my own bias, I just love listening to people's stories about their families. It's just like, in your, you know, your children are like, there's no word to describe who they are to us, right? Right. And I feel that. I feel that for every family, that I know what your children mean. And that's just, you know, it just moves me into tears 
Mm-hmm. And so, and I also know the history of family farms where they become family farms mm-hmm. because you pass them down. But now we're in a very, where well, we have been in a very different era of people not wanting to carry on with those things, knowing quicker ways to make money and certainly less laborsome and unpredictable. And that, you know, we, we used to have an era where people did not go far away from home to make a living. And now we in a, in a different world. Mm-hmm. I also know that that can be very painful to some farmers who just like, you don't want to see the end of all you've done. The same way it's hard to see the end of life. You know, these farms are their life. And the fact that they won't be passed along for some farmers means the end of their life. And we love to feel, all of us, that we are, we actually carry on through our children and then through their children from the stories they tell. And it's, it's such a beautiful human process of, of passing ourselves on, even past our deaths, mm-hmm. passing it on to other people. And so I knew that that's a big deal to talk about, like, what are your hopes about your farm continuing? And like you said, there were you know, four completely different stories um, about what people hoped um, and an acceptance that it might have happened because they understand the reality of the times we live in. But I did love hearing them. You know, some people like that would, I mean, most of them were like, that would be great. Like if that happened, like mm-hmm. I would love that to happen. <laughs> and one of the women who owns her own farm and has kids. And she right now, and I think she's like an infant and maybe a three-year-old and maybe a seven-year-old, and they all work the farm. <laughs> like I just, everyone, they're all this, the babies out there like watching <laughs> people working the farm and the young kids are working the farm. And it's just like, mm-hmm. and they're they're unafraid and, and uninterrupted by anything, animals, creatures, anything that's there because she is like really like put that in their heart Mm-hmm. and hopes that that carries forward and it's just it's so beautiful like we we deny and it, and it may be more of an american culture like kind of like this radical individualism that sneaks up into our hearts the fact that our children can carry on something that we did we do love that we don't force them to do that but when they do that we're like yes <laughs> that's great you know um and i love it. I love that because like I said, it just, it can make all of us in some ways eternal. You know, it can make me eternal through my children. It can make my children eternal through their children. And there's something just spiritually gorgeous about that. So it was a good question to ask for me because it was something that like I was, it was resonating in my heart anyway. And because I know that families are, you know, they're, it's wordless to the degree that you love them. It's just, it, there's no word for it, you know? And that's a, that's amazing to me. That is such a powerful thing in us. And I, it, and it's one of the things that actually, in some small measure, gives me hope that if we can love that much, like limitlessly, even with our own families, then we can do that in other parts of the world, you know? So it's it's a hopeful thing to me. I want to ask if you would read one of the poems. Ah, yes. Do you have a preference? 
I have a number of favorites, as you can okay. see. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I would love it if you would choose one that is very meaningful to you. Okay. Yeah, let me. <laughs> ah, yes, I love the tractor sketched in the snow. So I'll read that one. <laughs> on this day, on this occasion, a well-loved farm has halted beneath the demands of the season and sit in a world of utter dormancy. The cold and frost have wrapped themselves around the tractors and trees and covered them with the softness of the snow and gradually rocked them to sleep. The voice of the chilled air continues to recite the words of lullabies like poems afloat on the air itself and this world of pastures and grains responds. We are at rest now. We'll see you again. On this day, there are no choices, no struggle against what has to be. The fields and tractors slip into the call of the frigid times. Only patience will provide warmth and an awakening long coming. The bark of the trees are blankets for their vulnerable interior. Their roots settle far down into the earth. Their winter slowdown on point. They wait. Tractors and trailers keep watch for the shadows that a new season will bring. But for now, they huddle down, shut down like the eyes of slumber. This enchanted world, once active and warmed by spring, summer, and fall, acquiescence to the winter, yet its beauty, its life is not affected, just differently sketched by the lines of the snow. Beautiful. Thank you. The painting itself is just stunning to me. And I did a workshop just Friday where we used some of these pictures and asked people to go into the mood. This is the second part of the workshop to go into the mood of the painting, not what's in the painting, but the mood of the painting and write about that. And one of the women wrote about this poem as being sad, this picture as being sad and empty because everything had come to a halt. And it was such an interesting perspective and it may it, it could have been based on anything, but it could have been also based on the fact that she was much older mm -hmm. and the thought of things coming to a halt mm -hmm. is already right there. And I, I said, that's really amazing and interesting. And I, and I said, I'm going to tell you what it meant to me. So it's, it's a picture, you know, for people listening of just farm equipment sitting in the snow, just sitting still in the snow. This, the sky is cloudy. The trees are leafless. And I said, what well, it reminds me actually of peace because it is the moment where the world is quiet and no war is happening and no struggle is going on. It's just sitting quietly. And I love that kind of thing. So I thought it was so interesting that, like I was saying about the perspectives of standing on different sides of what people pull out of these things. And that is, to me, is very important because whether we saw it differently or not, we both saw a mood that it created in us. 
And I love that we had that conversation during that workshop. I love that poem, and I'm so glad that you chose it. And these paintings and poems at several points <laughs> like brought me to tears as I was reading. And I found in that one particularly that I did see that sadness, but I also felt it was kind of an overwhelming feeling because it wasn't the end. Very good. It was it was a story of continuing on, but there's a kind of letting go involved. Very good. There's a letting go. And it's yeah. at many points in this book, you understand that things are not under your control, whether it's your children taking up the farm, whether it's the arrival of the next, you know, the when of the next season, yes. whether it's the losing the crop, there's a letting go, yes, which is overwhelming and yes. overpowering and yet yeah. not the end of the story. Yes, exactly. And um, that is an incredible emotion to try and grapple with. Yes. And I don't think we have a lot of practice at it. No, not at all. And think about that, that farmers live it mm -hmm. every day of their lives. If they get up in the morning, like, I mean, some farmers are like, oh, yeah, I needed to work for 10 hours today, but it started raining and I only got four in. Every day there's mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. that they have to go, okay, I have to let that go for now and pick it up again another time. I mean, it's it's enormous, the the lessons and the messages. It's just completely enormous, simply in farms. Like, that's what's so incredible. Like, so we can go all over the planet with pe things that people do and find similar lessons or even bigger lessons or whatever. But even in, in the one aspect, I mean, the one subject of farming has all these incredible messages that speak to the energy and the force and the determination of the human spirit mm -hmm. and the understanding that things are not within our control. Mm -hmm. you know, those are great lessons that people need to learn. They're great lessons. And they're also lessons that are understood and known and felt in ways that we don't often practice. Very good. And poetry and painting is one of those ways. Yes. And it speaks much more than the words that we use every day. Yes, 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 exactly. That is very true. That's right. Yeah, that's great. So I think I'll read, there's a poem. I'm going to read the one from the Mound of Dirt. Hmm. So it's called A Simple Mound of Earth, The Completeness of Who We Are. When we present ourselves to the world, what is initially viewed is a shape, a form, a shell. We speak with voices, convey thoughts and ideas, and engage through physical expressions. But even these things about us, these things that others can see, do not complete who we are. Behind our simple shells lies something more, something that is forever churning, growing, regenerating. It is what some might call the heart and soul and spirit of who we are. It is what completes us, what truly tells the story of us. Our completeness is not stagnant. It is an energy that exists outside and is the depth of who of all of us and who we are. 
part of the invisible composition of that which is observable. Our completeness is electric, kinetic, thermal, chemical, and potential. It keeps us in a constant state of change, growth, and transformation. It seeds us with the capacity to become and to become again. A simple mound of earth is like us. What we see, what we observe is not its completeness. A simple mound of earth, the stalks that stand in it, the roots beneath it, the moisture that moves through it, the air that softly touches it, and more, is its completion. It is like us. It is a heart, a soul, and a spirit. Hmm. Is there anything else that we should mention that we haven't yet? Well, if any of your listeners are interested in the book, they can email me, um, and you have that email so they can contact you. Mm -hmm. And I think that not, you know, I talk about this book in the way I do, not because I wrote it, but because there was something that was coming through me that was speaking to me from for the farmers through the earth, through the land that came out in this book. And I think it's worth reading and certainly worth looking at Tommy's paintings. And so and so that's what I want to say. And thank everyone who's listening. And thank you, Kevin, for having me on. Thank you so much for being here. And I did want to finish up by very clearly sharing how people can support you and Tommy's work. So the book is available for purchase. Yeah, it's through me and Tommy. And then we will share the links and the information. The book is absolutely gorgeous and touching. And these are beautiful, beautiful thoughts to be beginning our season of thanks and thinking of the land that we are so fortunate to be sharing, to be guests on for the time that we are here and to be reflecting on the food that has been so carefully grown and with much labor and love. Yeah. Thank you very much. And happy holidays to everybody. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to check out our website, kinderpublic.com, for more information about our guest and the topic, as well as a full transcript of the conversation, which can be found on the podcast page. Captioned episodes of all of our interviews are also available on our YouTube channel, where we are at Kinder Public. We are also on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and we'd love to hear from you there. If you would like to find more information about the importance of small and medium-sized and family farms, we have linked a number of episodes covering this topic, along with further resources in our episode notes. These links include information on the 2023 Farm Bill, which has been delayed in the legislative process and will now be the 2024 Farm Bill, Please help us advocate for legislation that supports farms using climate-resilient methods, land-based strategies for carbon drawdown, and conservation practices. 
Ensuring land access equity, training for these practices, and funding for healthy food for all will directly impact our national food security and climate change resilience and the health of our population, along with other critical issues. I'm Kevin Castle, and my guest has been Reverend Peaches Gillette. Please take extra care, and we wish everyone a happy winter season.